Tune in to The Fintech Files for exclusive interviews with fintech executives and thought leaders. We will talk about how the industry will overcome the crisis that has marked the start of the decade, how it can be part of the solution, and how the financial world will evolve in the next decade. This is your host, George Alaferis from Arama. Today, I'm joined by John Butler, founder and CEO of Velox, a company that is building the future of front office technology. John, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us a bit first about your background and what made you launch the company? Um, sure, yeah. I, I um, myself and the other founders of Velox, um, our careers, or the last, the last 20 years, our careers were based, were building, um, building, managing, operating sales and trading systems in investment banking, um, mainly at, at Goldman Sachs. Um, and, um, you know, and that was through, started that in like the late 90s, which was actually pretty fortunate because that was at the point where the tech, that was right before kind of the big technological explosion in sales and trading. So I was managing um, cash equity technology at, at Goldman through, you know, 2000 and 2010, where essentially, you know, we went from being a thousand traders down to, to 10 traders or 20 traders. And it was all about, you know, a, a application of technology. Um, and so, you know, pretty much that was our, uh, myself and my, and, and the founders, that was really our career, our careers, um, throughout that, um, you know, it was, I mean, there's a couple of big, you know, um, themes throughout that, which led to kind of creating Velox. One was, you know, you could see why it was that way because it's just how, how kind of capital markets started in the early nineties, but certainly through 2000, you, you were left thinking, why are we building so much ourselves, right? Why aren't we using, um, the technology industry more, you know, and we're good at investment banking. Are we really going to be as good at building software as well? And certainly as the technology industry started to grow, those other options became more and more viable. Um, and, you know, and similarly and related, it, it was just so, ex it was just very expensive, very time consuming, you know, to, to build these systems internally. And they never really, you know, um, they never really delivered, right? And people were never really completely satisfied with with with, with what they got for the money. Um, and you know, so so both of those things led to Velox. It was well, we think we can do it with the right tools. If we had the right tools in place, we think people would be able to build things faster, better, uh, more efficiently. You know, and so we created Velox. So Velox is what I mean. It's a little bit corny, but we describe Velox as the toolkit um, or the tools that we we always wanted but never had. You know, so if I got to do it over again and I was managing, you know, um, trading technology at Goldman, Velox is the toolkit that I would want, right? So it's just, you know, it's that 20 years of experience kind of boiled down into a, into a platform, you know, using, using today, right? Using the technologies of today, using the web, using, you know, cloud, using cheap CPU, cheap memory, and, you know, and, and all the advances that you have in, that you have in Java and, 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 uh, and the kind of ecosystem, ecosystem around that. Wonderful. And um, we're going to go to that, to, to the product, the solutions you offer and to the future. But um, I just want to stay a bit uh, towards the past. Sure. And uh, can you tell us, so you told us about this great evolution uh, of trading for, for the past uh, 20 years or so. But can you tell us a bit more about, you know, what were the drivers of the evolutions back then? So like we say today, or the cloud or right. other stuff. What happened, you know, uh, what, were there some key elements that, um, that really were really milestones? 
Right. Um, I mean, I think that, well, I mean, there's two, there's two drivers, right? There's the drivers on the business side, you know, um, um, and then there's the drivers on the technology side. And I think sometimes it was business led and sometimes it was technology led. Um, a lot of it during my period was business led. Um, a lot of it was about ele electronification. So, you know, a trading desk, um, you know, making up the numbers for, for illustration, but let's say in 1999, they traded, you know, 10,000 orders a day or a thousand orders a day. Mm. You know, five years later, it would be a million orders a day, right? Because of algorithmic trading, um, electronic exchanges, um, liquidity fragmentation. And so, you know, that just, that drove a whole new generation of, of, of technology just to kind of handle that. Um, um, and so um, most of the, certainly my period, certainly through my career, it was a lot of it was about, was, was driven that way. And then behind that, you always had that push of, there was always faster computers coming along. You moved out of kind of the Unix world into kind of into Windows and Linux. There was always a lot of drop, hardware was constantly being updated. Um, 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 and so, you know, there was always this kind of, it was always kind of a push, push pull, um, the business changing, um, um, which would create new, need the need for new systems and then advances in technology that were cheaper, that would then make those systems also be, up, be upgraded. But I think most of it was business led, right? And it was, it was just that the business, mm -hmm. and, and, and this is a lot about why Velox is what it is, uh, you know, this, the amount of innovation, the amount of change, whether it's the way you and, and you know, as you said of your background, right, you know, um, you're familiar with this. Um, day in, day out, the markets change, clients change, the regulations change. It's just a, con you know, it's constant, it's constant change, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, 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 you know, any system to be successful needs to be able to, to kind of handle that change, you know, efficiently. Yeah. And is there a time when you start when Wall Street started to really look towards Silicon Valley? And if I was to take a personal example, I remember when I was at Source ETS. It was that's when a little bit we we started discussing it or getting inspiration from there. But I think since the, when I look back then and where we are now, it feels like the cultural shift has been absolutely huge. Basically, technology we would I was in sales and we would I would never ever talk about technology. That was, you know, that was behind the scenes, etc. Yep. I would think now every, you know, um, well, I would think now it's very different. But I, I try to pinpoint when this when this yep. mindset change happened. Yeah, I think mean, that's a that's a fascinating it's a fascinating question. Um, I think we can thank Steve Jobs for mm. for a lot of this <laughs> because I think um, you know the consumer drives drives a lot of things, and I think um, um, you know when when the, when the iPhone came out and people basically had you know, these wonderfully powerful, innovative, futuristic, you know, phones, but they're still sitting looking at old trading systems. <laughs> you know, I, I think that was really the start, start of the shift. Um, 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 I think that, you know, back to the point I was making earlier, in the beginning, right, in, in the 90s, banks, capital markets firms built everything themselves because there was no other alternative. You know, they hired the best physicists, they hired the best people out of the science schools, and they, they built their own databases. SecDB at Goldman Sachs, great example of that. I mean, they built it themselves 20, almost 30 years ago, and that's because there was no other alternative, right? Um, but you look today, and you look, so 2001, you know, you had the bubble, you had 9-11, and then slowly through the next four or five years with, with what was happening in consumer tech, 
Silicon Valley emerged, the technology industry really emerged, and um, um, you know viable alternatives started to started to started to um, started to come up. And so, I think popular consciousness, everything became about technology. Everything became about kind of phones, Twitter, social media, the monetization of the internet. And I think you know banks banks got dragged into that got dragged into that too. Um, but it's 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 not happened fast enough, right? It's not happening fast enough. And I think that legacy of doing everything yourself, it's, it's taken a long time to shed that. And it's taking too long to shed that, right? Um, um, and, you know, you, you, as you, you said in, in some of my blog posts, um, the, there'll be, there's gonna come a point where um, it's kind of unstoppable force immovable object. It's just too expensive, the way that it's done right now. It's too expensive, it's too inefficient. And, um, and um, you know, there's gonna need to be a, a rapid shift um, over the next four or five years where capital markets spend the money that they do have on the things that differentiate them, you know, and they, and they rely on, 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 on Silicon Valley, fintechs, you know, um, vendors to do the things that, that, are, that are really commodity and they don't, you know, they don't, um, you know, and they really don't differentiate themselves with. I, mean, I think you, you've highlighted one of my quotes, which is, you know, the airline industry was 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 like was like capital markets or something like it used to be. Um, you know, they'd all build their own airplanes, and and um, you know, it, it's a it's a it's an exaggeration, but I think it makes it makes a point pretty clearly. No, no, I love that quote because yes, you can imagine a world where you know you differentiate from building a better plane, uh, but then if you think there's errors and and uh, Boeing that also subsidize and compete the hell out of each other to yeah. to build yeah. airplanes, it doesn't make sense anymore. I would make one, one point, right, which is, and, and as I said, I was, you know, uh, part of this for 20, 20 years, right, and, and, and it's, it's, there's one thing knowing everybody, there's one thing everybody knowing what is the right thing to do, right, and where we need to get to. It's another thing to change um, the kind of culture of a firm or to get a, get a large, you know, a large organization to kind of make rapid change, and, and so I think capital markets is, suffers because of that because the firms are so, you know, firms are so big it's just hard right it's hard to do things um, um it's hard to drive seismic change and so um that's one of the reasons why things have lagged behind it's not because people didn't it's not because there is a lack of people with vision or a lack of people you know knowing where they you know having you know knowing where they need to go to yeah sure so let's let's uh, try to enter now the current trading modern day trading room and uh, try to figure out what are the, some of the inefficiencies. And I would say, to you know, in the in the in our in our culture, in popular imagination, that's that's what I was looking for. It looks like it looks futuristic. So one of the things you mentioned is, oh, there are many screens, right? Uh, and how is that? So what is that, and how how is that a, a sign of potential inefficiency? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating paradox and there's a lot of paradoxes in, 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 in capital markets where, you know, the perception is of, of you know, really futuristic, really high tech. Um, and, the reality, and the reality is in, in areas that is true, but then in other areas it, it, it isn't. Um, um, and I think, you know, and I think you, you said this, right, which is your initial impression when you look at all the screens on a trading floor, it's like, wow. But then, really, when you when you look behind the, the, the when you look behind the surface of that, it's actually indicative of of, of being quite old fashioned. Um, you know, the um, the number of screens is really just a um, um, you know, it's just 
multiple different systems, all do different things, um, huge, you know, requires a huge amount of, of real estate. Um, and it's kind of, it's one of those things that, you know, on the face of it, it's like, okay, but then, you know, if you really dig into that and you think about, well, that isn't really helping anybody. You, you know, if you really think about technology that's going to help you do your job, just putting anything that you might want to see on one big, on one massive panel, that's probably the table stakes, right? Really, that's like the basic, that's the basics, right? You know, there's so many other things that you can build on top of that, that help a trader and help a sales trader um, be more efficient, right? And so, you know, I think of it as being um, kind of the multiple screens is data orientated. It's just, let's just get the data out there, right? Um, and that's not really changed for 25 years. What people do, what, what sales and traders do, is they make decisions all the time, right? And so you move into a future where things are decision-driven um, and all of a sudden you don't need all this real estate. You need a screen that is basically, you know, um, much more tuned to what you're doing on a day-to-day day -day basis. But it's, it's one of those things that on the face of it, you, you look at the screens and you think, well, what's wrong with that? And it's only when you start to scratch, and it's because it's always been that way. It's only when you yeah. start to scratch away the surface, you realize that it's really not that helpful. Yeah, but can you tell us so specifically, why do people need those screens at the moment? Why would I need to have, well, two I can understand, but to, uh, six? <laughs> yeah, what, format, what data, you said it was data driven, so what data do I get there? And yeah, so you have, so it's, it's two things. One, it's about wanting to, um, as quickly as possible, switch context. So once one, I want, I want a risk screen. I want a market data screen. I want a sales screen. I want a CRM screen. I probably want my email. I, I absolutely probably my middle screen will be Excel because that's where I kind of do everything that you know. That's where I probably spend most mm -hmm. of my time doing all the things that the other systems don't do. And the multiple screens is is really what's the fastest way for me to context switch is for me to just move my head. You know, I don't want to have to do control tab to, to bring things up to, to the, to the, um, um, you know, up to the, up to the forefront. It's just the most, um, um, efficient way, um, to allow people to change context on the fly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then there is the other, there's another aspect to it, which is you sit on a trade, you sit on a trading desk and you're going to have many systems, many different systems that do different things. And they're not really going to talk to each other, right? And so um, you can't boil things down to single applications and more intuitive workflows, you know, because you know of, of this lack of integration. So things stay in this, and that also forces things to stay in this data-driven and data-orientated mode rather than in a kind of decision-orientated mode. All right. So how does Deloitte? Uh, but by the way, I mean, I think I think we've just had a we've had um we've had a very um, you think about what's happened with COVID over the last um, six months, right? And, and clearly the world can operate without 12 screens on everybody's desk because nobody had that at home, right? So um, it, it's a, the, the multiple screens is a convenience, you know, but it's also, it's also a bit of a monument to, um, to we just haven't found it. We, we haven't come up with a better way yet, um, you know. Um, I mean, by the way, it's also embodied in the blotter, Right, mm -hmm. and just, you know, ubiquitous. Right, within any sales and trading system, it's a blotter. And and but when you really think about it, it's a pretty it's a pretty blunt tool. You know, again, data driven. Here's all the data you might need at some point to do something with. 
right? And, and that's as far as it goes. It doesn't take you any further than that. And so, um, you know, that's, I think, the journey that we're, we're on. And I think that's, that's where you're going to see a lot of change over the next five years. All right. And where does Velux come into that? What are the changes that you bring to that environment? Um, well, I think that what Velux does is, um, first and foremost, you know, going back to something that I said before, it's about, it's about innovation. You know, and if you, if you, if you kind of, um, what are the, if you want to have a good sales and trading, you know, platform or infrastructure, um, what are the, what, what the three things that it's got to get right? Uh, one, it's got to be, it's got to be reliable first and foremost, you know, um, um, I mean, you know, you've been in the industry, things go wrong. It, it's expensive. It's expensive. It's not, I mean, is it expensive? It's also, um, 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 you know, from a regulatory perspective, it can be, it can be, um, um, almost criminal, right? So, I mean, you've got to be reliable, you've got to be scalable. It's got to be responsive. You've got to be able to deal with you know, massive fluctuations in volume. Um, but then you've got to be able to innovate, right? You have to be able to um, uh, move with the times, right? If you look at the challenges that people have today with, with, with vendor technology, it's not because the vendors can't build good technology. Absolutely, they can. It just doesn't evolve as the businesses evolve. And so, um, you know, Velops comes at this primarily from, from, from those three angles, you know, in the platform, if you buy the Velops platform, you get the scalability, you get the resilience out of the bat. You don't have to worry about that anymore. But what you get is um, the ability to innovate. What, what you also get then is the ability to innovate. Now we talk about low code. I mean, we're not a traditional no code, low code um, provider, but what we do do is um, provide a lot of um, um, abstractions within um, our Java libraries that make it as easy as you can to um, to stand up sales and trading um, tools, systems, applications. Um, um, so you know, so it's really those it's really those three things. It's about um, not having to reinvent the wheel. So getting getting getting. Um, your resilience, getting your scalability, um, which is kind of ninety percent, right? And then, and then having that flexibility to be able to be able to then build um, and adapt your business as time as time goes, as time goes by. The other thing that Velos does is we are our infrastructure is um, um, cloud based and and all um, um, web and browser based. All of our functionality is on the is on the server side. None of it is on the desktop. So the other thing that we do for clients is, you know, the first implementation with Velops will be, will be really kind of a similar workflow to today, which is which is purely manual. But what we do is, um, is we 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 make it very very easy to turn this to go from one side of the spectrum of kind of manual to a more automated side of the spectrum. So built into Velops is this is this notion of um, um, we call it aggregate analyze act, um, and you can in the beginning that can be quite manual. But basically, we allow you to turn the dial at a time. So, as a business, you can go, you know, over two, three years. You can suddenly, you can suddenly start to move the needle to being much more automated. Um, there'll always be humans in the loop, but it makes it very easy to start to automate away a lot of the manual, repetitive stuff um, that, that clogs up people's people's um, um, people's day to day. You know, I think, you know, one thing we say is we want to stop. Um, we want to stop front office operating and 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 get them back to generating revenue, right? Because I think at the moment the um, the balance is wrong. Mm, all right. Yeah. No. That's a, that's a very good um, 
comparison as well. So it's definitely not about having one more vendor and vendors have been characterizing, I guess, the yep. evolution of the field. It's about a platform where you could potentially also, well, at least you can integrate the, the functions and maybe the vendors as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So we, um, we like to think of ourselves as, you know, in, in, the, in the past there was two choices, right? You built it yourself or you bought. You bought it. You bought it from a vendor. We we like to be the best of both. We we talk about ourselves as being the best of both worlds. So you get to buy the things that you should buy, but then you retain the ability to build the things that you that you um, um, that you need to build. Um, we're quite practical in the way that we're thinking about it because whenever you talk to a client, there is an existing infrastructure already in place, and so and that can be vendor technology. It can be probably a mixture. And um, one thing we do is we actually allow. We can sit on top of existing infrastructure and so you know we'll, we'll find a lot of firms that struggle to innovate because they have old legacy systems develops mm -hmm. develops puts a fabric on top of that which then allows you to um, um, I would say get the most out of your existing products um, but then opens up that ability to, to that gives you that agility and that ability to innovate going forwards as well so we're not yeah it's we're not just another vendor we're not trying to replace vendors mm -hmm. it's, it, we're, 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 we're providing something in addition to that yeah no and that's the, the famous legacy system how do you move it and so if i understand well the question is well you, you don't try to move you don't try to remove the, the whole base right but if you build a an interface a platform on top of it that's easily yeah exactly then you can yeah i mean i yeah. <laughs> you know I, I can speak from very personal experience of trying to switch mm -hmm. things off um, um and it's incredibly hard and sure. so, you know, what we preach is, um, is about, you know, um, in the first instance, get yourself, do something that allows you to innovate, right? And start to move forward again and start to build a kind of a more futuristic front office. Um, um, and um, don't put that work at the end of kind of a legacy elimination project because um, sure, you, sure, sure. you might never get there. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, one thing I would say, though, just, uh, just one point that I didn't, didn't mention before is in terms of the future, I do believe that um, Envelops is, is um, aimed at that. And actually, I had a lot of experience at Goldman with a system called SecDB, which I think was really a forerunner in, in this, which was about um, enabling people on the desk to um, um, technical people on the desk to build products on the fly and build functionality on the fly. I think that trend continues over time. I think traders, sales traders become more and more technical. Um, um, and, you know, Velox is, is um, what SecDB did was much more in the derivatives uh, OTC space. Um, you know, Velox does, is, is doing a similar type of thing, but in sales and trading, where, you know, you're giving this toolkit, which is um, uh, a sandbox, if you like, Instead of Excel, you're able to build proper apps very, very rapidly whilst, um, you know, while sitting on, sitting on the trading desk. And I think that's how the skill sets will change over time um, um, and already have. I mean, it's, if I think about my career and, and who was running businesses, you know, back in 1999 versus who runs businesses today, I mean, there's just been a massive transition towards um, a balanced uh, economic and kind of science technology background. Yeah, yeah, and even when you say low code, no code, and we're not, you know, we're heading to so it's not about uh, the future of a drag and drop in, uh, in sales and training no, function. Yeah. It's a yeah, uh, yeah, and I think that um, yeah, I mean, and we and I lo we love that. Uh, in every every technologist, I think is is you know fascinated by that, um, and I think in certain 
aspects, certain aspects of the investment bank, I think it's incredibly applicable. Um, we think though with sales and trading, it's so specialized and so, um, 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 you know, the details are so important. Yeah. You're dealing with a lot of vo high volume, high resilience. We still, we think that um, um, you're still, you're still going to be a developer. You're still going to have developers, you know, people with development skills that are going to be constructing the apps. Mm -hmm. And may I ask as well, who are your um, customers then, or the type of customers you, you mainly deal with? Um, actually, I mean, we have a, we, it's, it's, a, it's a blend, uh, investment banks, um, um, and brokers and brokers and market makers. Mm. Um, um, and, you know, a, um, a couple of, and then a couple of fintech firms, um, you know, similar, similar to us, similar to ourselves. But, you know, our product is one of the great things about our architecture. And again, this all comes from the learnings, you know, learning the hard way over our, over our careers is, is our product is, is generic. So in some respects, although we're an application platform and we're not a database, if you think about Oracle, for instance, when you, when you, when you get Oracle, Oracle can do anything. You just give it the schema and it can do, you know, it'll, be, it'll adapt, it'll adopt whatever domain you want it to adopt. Velox works in the same way, right? Which is, it is all, it's all purely, it's all schema driven. Build time, we generate, we do, we generate the Java code um, um, automatically. So it really gives you that huge amount of, uh, it really gives you that, that flexibility and that ability to adapt. Um, and so that means our kind of aperture um, um, is, you know, can be quite wide in terms of the different clients, different types of problems that we can, that we can tackle. All right. And in terms of um, your marketing and growth, I assume that uh, you deal with multiple stakeholders at your counterpart or your clients. What yep. would you say is the main challenges that you're facing in terms of that, in terms of marketing? Um, and is it a very complex process? The, the yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I think that, um, um, you know, so, and it really depends on the on size of the client. You know, but you know, some of the, the bigger accounts, it's it's a it's a long sales cycle. Um, you know, it's it's it's, and again, speaking from personal experience, I mean, you, you really can't underestimate the change in um, in capital markets firms from twenty years ago, right? And with with, with what happened in um, you know, with regulation, um, um, with you know, paranoia about you know, um, um, rogue trading and. and so the process, a process which was already long, was already long because of multiple stakeholders, multiple decisions, hard to make decisions in large firms. It's now, you know, there's then the vendor onboarding process. All these things are incredibly long-winded at, at large firms. The smaller firms are much more nimble. Um, and I think, again, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it just has to change and it has, to, and I think certainly I was seeing those changes at Goldman where um, you know, people just recognize that it was just not commercial and, and within a, in a technology world driven world that was evolving all the time, they just needed to get the process to be, to be, to be simpler. Um, um, and I think some firms are doing a better job of that. Large investment banks are doing a better job of that than, than some others. But. Mm -hmm. And, um, to the, a little bit more into the marketing before then really trying to talk about the future and how, what it looks like. Um, I see you're obviously posting a lot of articles, very interesting articles yourself. So how, and I don't know about the rest of the company, but how important is that the content marketing side of things? How does it help in this complex cycle? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's hugely important. I mean, I think that, um, you know, um, I guess the way I think about it is where does the sales process start, you know, and um, um, where does the sales process start? And so now 
couldn't do this 10 years ago, but now, you know, if you want, if you, if a client looks at us, what they're going to do is they're going to look on the website and then they're going to look at, look on LinkedIn. Right. And, 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 you know, websites are one dimension, are relatively one dimensional demos are kind of one dimensional too. I think being able to read articles, it gives, um, and you could argue that it's better off as a, as a video blog. Um, it's an extra dimension, but, but certainly, you know, if the websites and demos are one dimensional, I think then the, the blog posts, the articles, I think gives a second dimension, right? And so people start to begin to form clients, begin to form a mental picture of, of what you do and what you're about and, and how you're thinking. Um, um, I think that, um, and so that's beginning the sales process. And so what we find then that is when we actually start to engage with the client, they've already done some selection. They really do understand what we're about. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's a more qualified conversation and it's just a more, you know, um, you can kind of get down to it um, um, quicker. Um, I also think that, um, you know, the, the fin for fintechs, right, trust, building trust with clients is hugely important. Um, um, you know, we're not, none, none of the fintechs have a 20 year old track, track record by definition, or certainly very few. Um, and so I think trust building, building trust with clients is really, really important. And I think the blog, I think the blog posts and the articles help, um, with that as well, because I think it, it, um, um, it gives, um, you know, a more personal insight into, 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 into what, into what we're about. Um, so, you know, I don't post about anything that I wouldn't want a client to read. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. I try to post things that. You know, I'd re if they had time, it'd be great. You know, I think it would be really, it would be value added if a client read, you know, what we what we were writing about. Yeah, no, because I, I really like your approach. I found it particularly interesting for me. The, the one of the articles that I'm going to ask you a few questions about is how products technology might look in ten years time, which is really not talking about um, well what the technology is today and what the details are, etc. But okay, a bigger vision of the future and. Uh, so let, let's have a let's go a bit deeper into that. So yep. you mentioned here a few um, critical elements for that. So could you could you could you let's say go quickly through them? So for example, you say uh, reference data, and that's an obvious one that you need data. Yeah. But, but what, how will that change in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean that the particular post that you're you're reference, referencing. I mean, I guess there's two, and it's, it's an interesting exercise in in. Um, in writing it and distilling, um, you know, generally when I sit down and write the blog post, I'm not, I don't have, it, it's kind of a journey, you know, of kind of mm -hmm. just collect, thought collection and, um, um, and, you know, this was meant to be quite realistic rather than, you know, AI and quantum computing. And it was meant to be kind of a practical mm -hmm. approach, approach to what, what will happen in 10 years. And, and, and the big thing that needs to happen and the big the thing that will drive the most, um, you know, um, benefit is really cleaning up you know, some of the problems of the past, right? And, and problems that are driven through just, just rapid growth and rapid evolution. Um, and just areas of the market, which just have not been, that have just not been um, optimized and they're still quite dysfunctional, right? And so um, um, data is one, you know, data being one of them. I mean, if you sit on a trading desk, I don't know if you had this experience, um, um, but, um, um, you know, there's no canonical single reference source for, 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 for product data, right? It, there's, there's multiple different providers um, when it comes to corporate actions and things of that nature. I mean, the, the quality of the data is always, is always questionable. And so there's so much complexity that's built into systems to just deal with the fact that the data could be wrong. Um, you know, so I think things like that, um, resolving, resolving those will, will 
you know, a lot of that, it's about shifting complexity, right? And shifting mm -hmm. who's solving the problem. At the moment, the complexity sits with capital markets and everybody, everybody solves the same problem independently. Data being one of them, I think that, you know, in 10 years time that, that gets resolved, right? So, and, and there's a number of things like that through, you know, through that, that, that's a theme that goes through this post. Um, another thing around, you know, around connectivity, around order management systems, the movement of the, there's a, a lack of, um, 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 you know, um, I mean, I guess another analogy I use is if you think about Facebook, right? Um, and you think about, you know, that type of social media, you don't have to build your own, um, um, you know, you don't, you don't all build your own kind of internal Facebook to communicate with other people's internal Facebooks, right? It's just, it's mm -hmm. just, a, it just exists once and everybody puts their content into it and then put their, put, put their apps into it, right? And, and that's the where I think we will end up going to um, with, with capital markets where things like order management, things like connectivity, um, um, things that everybody does themselves, which really don't differentiate, that gets moved centrally. Um, um, and the, the net effect of all of this is, you know, you give back in terms of, um, um, spend tech spend you give back kind of a huge amount um, amount of energy and a huge amount of, of kind of investment back to the capital market market firm so they can start to so they can start to innovate right and so they can start to um drive uh more futuristic kind of functionality mm -hmm. um, one of the one of the things you mentioned and and i i thought about it when talking about data i remember in the early days where i was trading spot mm -hmm. effects and i had the the data feed in an Excel spreadsheet that would freeze very often and I would, I would have yeah. com completely off. But uh, that aside, which is really, really antiquated, um, the Excel is still there, right? Yeah, you say, mentioned yeah. as well the, the chain, so it's still, it's, it's still there and I don't know when it yeah. was invented, but it's, it's decades ago and it's still the, the probably one of the favorite tools. So um, tell us a little bit, you, you also mentioned about the roles, how they're evolving and how yeah, maybe maybe the role of Excel itself will decrease. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, Excel is one of those things that is, um, yeah, victim. Of, you know, it's, it's almost the, you know, perfect definition of a victim of its own success, right? And and it's you know one of the most successful pieces of software ever written, and um, um, and um, you know, so flexible as a sandbox, and and it's almost been because of the the problems with legacy technology and 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 the need to innovate really really quickly, you know. Excel has become that has become the kind of plug, right? It's become the, the kind of buffer. And so, you know, to your point, you know, there's so many spreadsheets that are become incredibly complicated that really are just fundamentally important to the business. Um, um, and I think that, um, you know, to the point now where there's, there's, there's real operational risk around, around those. Um, and I think um, what you will see, but there's something right about it, right? It's, 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 it's wrong to say, well, we'll just get rid of it, right? What we'll actually do is, is use Excel for what it's meant to be used for and mm -hmm. what it's good at and provide a better, more structured sandbox type environment, which is, I think, more part and parcel of the, of the sales and trading system. And so people are still able to innovate. Sales and front office is still able to innovate and they're still able to do that kind of what-if analysis, but they're doing it within... Um, um, a proper software engineering environment, right? So that, the, the, you know, you're not relying on, um, you can audit it, right? You know, if cells get updated, you can, you, can, you can keep track of that, you can roll it back. You know, you can, um, um, you can roll back versions, you know, 
you know, you don't end up with this kind of we've updated Windows and nothing works anymore, right? It, it's uh, um, so I think it's 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 a it's it's the right it's the right idea. Excel is, is you know is, is given people it's the right thing people need to be doing. It just needs to be done now in a more in a more structured uh, operationally sound way. Um, right. But I think you know I think it goes back to what we were saying before, right? Which is the grid and and data being data orientated. Um, um, you know, I think that um, hopefully, well, what I imagine is going to happen is we become more decision orientated, right? And the systems become more decision orientated. So I actually think that the need, the way, the type of innovation that needs to happen on the fly, I think that will also become a higher level type of innovation. You know, whereas Excel, it's again, it's, it's just data. You've got the data, go do something with it. Um, I think, you know, now you could, you, the, the kind of equivalent in 10 years time, it'll be more, it'll be richer. It'll be, well, I want this real-time analysis or this real-time signal uh, to allow me to make better decisions. And I'm able to kind of play around with that, back test it, you know, see how it charts and then put it into production and have it integrated into my trading system. And so have that kind of thing, you know, really, really easy to do. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I think, future, could, sorry, yes, go ahead. Uh, yeah, but, but I, you know, I think that, you know, I, I said, I don't, you said, I just didn't go into the post, right, about how kind of the business necessarily will change. Um, because I don't know, I don't, it, I'm assuming that the way people make money and the fundamental concepts will remain the same. So it's really about doing, it's making it easier to do, follow the, the sales and trading processes of, of, that happen today. It's just making them more efficient, making them, making them easier to do, making them safer. Uh, um, and um, rather than just you know a complete radical uh, change in direction, mm -hmm. so more efficient, safer, and rather than going through data to then take decisions, well, the decision tools are are, are probably closer to your eyes or right in front of your eyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's a, it's more of a um, um, you know it, it, instead of you know. The way I like to think of it is, and again, it's a simplified case, but you, um, if you look at what people do over the, over a day, there's a lot of repetition, right? And you can break it down into um, something happens, right? I decide what to do, and then I and then I do it, right? And and there's a chunk of those that fit into a pattern that happened all the time, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so you can, it's quite easy to imagine a system where you can set up those. You know, it's like it's like your out. It's like your email rules, right? Um, you know, as, as a simplified simplified example, you can imagine it's quite easy to 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 take a lot of what you do, and have the system essentially say, you know, that thing you wanted to know about and that thing you wanted to do, right? It pop it pops up, gives you it gives you this is what this is what this is what you should do. This is why you should do it. Do you want to do it? And there's a button there, right? And it's and it's and um, um, yeah. So that is much more decision much more decision driven rather than data driven. Great, um, so that paints a picture of the future. To finish off, maybe, could I just ask, would you have any, well, maybe any tips for firms that um, want to, so, you know, legacy firms that potentially want to embrace this innovation and, and trying to change the way they do? Um, other than, other than talk to Velox. <laughs> yeah, or generally speaking, what's the right approach? So obviously, um, how, yep. how should they go about it? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm the more top level thing. Yeah, I'm to Velux. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's um it's 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 interesting, right? I mean I think um I think one of the, the problems of, of 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 capital markets firms or banks or um or trading trading organizations is is that they're that's what they're good at. They're good at trading, right? The, the, the management structure, the decision making structure is based around is based around the business, right? And and so I think that when we talk about innovation, generally speaking, we're talking about technology, right? We're talking about um, becoming, you know, and I think, you know, Lloyd, when I was Lloyd Blankfein, when, when I was at Goldman and the CEO said, you know, Goldman is now a technology firm, right? And, 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 and that's kind of, you know, that, that, that's, that's really what, what the, what the advice is, is you've got to, um, whether it's just at the trading desk level or whether it's at the business, whether it's at the divisional level, if you want to get really, really good at innovating, then you have to think about, well, how do I have a part of my business that works like a, like a, like a technology firm, right? And makes decisions like a technology firm. Um, um, and somehow, um, um, which, you know, technology, business decisions generally can be made very quickly. Technology decisions, it's harder to do, right? Because there is, you know, writing good software takes time, right? And so it, there's just a different, there's a, there's a different mindset, there's a different set of uh, rules and a different set of principles. And, and it's about adopting those, right? And fusing them into your business, fusing them into, into kind of the fabric of the fabric of the business. And, and then as what we've seen like in the leadership space, then, then the, the, the leaders of those businesses need to embody those two skills as well, right? And, um, you know, um, um, as much as is possible, you would want people who are running businesses that have written code, right? That, that understand, you know, some of the things that aren't obvious, right? About, I mean, I spent a lot of my time, a lot of my career, you know, ha having conversations about why it seems so hard and um, you know what I mean? There's always this preconceived notion that, that, that mm -hmm. it could be easy to build software. And, and which was, I mean, my point was always, well, why should it be easy? You know, it, but there was always, you know, and, and, and the thing is, it's only when you spend time as a developer that you realize when you really get into the details of it, you know, you realize why it's hard, right? And why, why it's time consuming. And so I think those, having those skills and that knowledge and that, and that awareness within the, the leadership um, is, is incredibly important. Mm, yeah, that, that that's also comes back then to the case of business education in general, um, including a bit of tech, including a bit of fintech as well, because uh, I think now when you talk about finance, eventually you talk about, well, fintech and therefore for the business decision makers of the future, uh, well, the curriculum after that. But, uh, it reminds me of a conversation that I had with someone else on the podcast, Henry Lyman, um, but we're not, we're not going to have time to go deeper into that, maybe a separate podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, maybe just last question before we finish, John, but it's been really great. Um, I see you've got three locations, China, yep. uh, where, where, Shanghai, London, New York. Uh, I think New York is home, but which one are you the most um, excited to visit? Which, uh, do you have a prefer preferred one? I'm Shanghai for sure. <laughs> All right. Um, but um, yeah, we're actually going to do our, um, our annual, um, annual get together. Well, yeah. Forgetting about COVID for the time being, but that, that's where we were, we were going to do our next kind of annual get, get together. Would be would be would be in Shanghai. I mean, we, we, we've all been in capital markets for many years, so the, the major hubs we've all visited many times. I think Shanghai is, um, um, you know, um, you know, an exciting uh, venue for it for us. Um, yeah, I was talking again in a previous conversation. People talk about Wall Street and Silicon Valley, but 
uh, Henry was saying, look east, because in the fintech space, this is where it's happening, right? Yeah, so you're already absolutely. There. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great, you know, it's a great, it's a great business opportunity. I mean, I think that um, um, in, uh, obviously, you know, the major hubs in the US and in the UK, there's a, you know, there's a lot that um, certainly the Chinese businesses and Chinese entrepreneurs are trying to learn and, and catch up. And so there's, there's, if you can geographically and culturally get that into, into your company, um, there's a there's huge opportunity there. Right. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. It's been really great talking to you and all the best to you and the, the Velox team. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, I really enjoy talking to you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. And thank you to our guests who make this possible. Subscribe to never miss an episode. As this is a new broadcast, if you could give us a five-star review on iTunes and your favorite podcast player, that would be great. Let's work together to accelerate fintech towards the 2030s.